Podcastle episode 174 for September 13th, 2011. The Parable of the Shower by Leah Bobbitt. Rated R for language. Hello and welcome back to Podcastle. I'm your host and co-editor Dave Thompson. Today, let's talk about blasphemy, specifically the Judeo-Christian variety. I've mentioned in the past that I'm a Quaker, and perhaps because of that, or perhaps because I'm a weirdo, I have a different perspective as to what I find blasphemous. Here's where it comes from. What I genuinely dig about Jesus Christ is when push comes to shove, he said there are only two things that matter. Love God, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Everything else falls beneath those two, the two greatest commandments. I guess John Lennon really was right according to JC. All you need is love. Now, we could spend hours talking about what loving God actually means, but love your neighbor as yourself? That's a lot easier to interpret. And so, when I log on to the old internets and read that Orson Scott Card, a Mormon, has a novella coming out soon that, as a plot point, suggests that since Hamlet's daddy was gay, and thus the ghost that sets all things in motion was actually a malevolent spirit, because again, he was gay, and thus said gayness caused the evil spirit to be the real bad guy in Shakespeare's play, well, I not only call bullshit, but I call blasphemy too. To me, that sounds like ignoring one of the greatest commandments, loving your neighbor, and instead spewing hate. I know, I know, it happens a lot. But if we want to talk about blasphemy, I personally don't have to look any further. Love your neighbor. There are no conditions placed on that. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's written in red, folks. Don't just talk about it. Don't try to convince anyone you know better than they do how they were really born, who they should love and who they should fuck, that you love the sinner but hate the sin, blah, blah, blah. That kind of shit isn't Christian. Just love. So with that definition in mind, I don't particularly see today's story as blasphemous in the least. This week at Podcastle, we're proud to present The Parable of the Shower by Leah Bobbitt that was originally published in Lone Star Stories. We'll link to the text in our show notes. Leah Bobbitt's been to Podcastle before. We featured her story, Three Days and Nights in Lord Dark Drake's Hall, last year during Anne Lecky Month. She's also had work appear in Realms of Fantasy and Chilling Tales, and has a new book coming out next year called Above from Arthur A. Levine Books. Find her online at leahbobbitt.com. When we first read this story, we knew there was only one person we wanted to hear read it aloud, Larice White, who last read for us in Kate Jemison's Sinners, Saints, Dragons, and Haints in the City Beneath the Still Waters, what seems to be a fan favorite thus far. Larice is a voice actress. You can find her online at itsthevoice.com. That's it's the T-H-A voice.com. You can listen to her online reading any other time on erotic audiobook at Amazon and CD Baby. So turn on the water, take off your bathrobe, and enjoy the story. The Parable of the Shower by Leah Bobbitt The angel of the Lord cometh upon you in the shower at the worst possible moment. One hand placed upon thy right buttock and the other bearing soap. Radio blaring, humming a heathen song of sin. Fear not, he proclaimeth. From the vicinity of the shampoo caddy, 
and the soap falleth from thy hand. Motherfucker, thou sayest, and then thou seest the light, the wings, the blazing eyes like sunlight and starlight both at once, and since thy mother raised thee right, thou coverest thy mouth with one hand and makest the sign of the cross with the other. It is the soap hand which covereth thy mouth. Thou gettest soap in thy mouth and spittest away from the angel of the Lord. And do not curse again, though it is terrible hard. The angel of the Lord, he does laugh. His laughter peals like church bells, and it shorteth out the batteries of thy rock and roll radio. The great and terrible laughter of the angel of the one true God makes thy knees tremble, but thou refusest to fall down upon them. For one thing, the shower in which thou showerest is slippery, and the Lord knows it is simple enough to break an ankle or a hip or an arm in the shower without the intervention of the angel of the Lord. Mrs. Van Meecher down the hall suffered this very affliction five months past, and thou hadst to fetch and carry for her from the apartment to the hospital, bare pajamas and the daily mail, as thou art the most young and hale person upon the sixteenth floor, and the cry would have been great against you if thou hast not. For another thing, thou hast thy dignity. So though thy knees they tremble and you yearn to fall down before the awesome and terrible power of the Lord, thou leanest against the tiles of thy shower wall and ask, What are you doing here? The angel of the Lord straighteneth in its perfect light, much brighter than the light of mortal sixty-watt bulbs, and saith unto thee, I have a task for thee to perform if thou lovest the Lord thy God. Thou sayest unto the angel, I'm in the shower. The angel saith, I care not. Thou sayest, I'm naked. The angel saith, Nakedness is nothing before a servant of the Lord. Well, it is something to man, thou repliest, and place thy loofah before thy shame. This is not Eden, it is Compton. And thou hast not been innocent for several years now. Do you remonstrate with an angel of the Lord? The angel inquireth. And you like not to look in his eye. Or perhaps her eye. It's. It is difficult to see the generative parts of an angel of the Lord. It is difficult to see any of the body of the angel. All astir with the white light as it is reflecting off thy shower tiles in a manner which startled the mighty migraine, the light of the angel of the Lord seemeth not a thing to be trifled with. No, sir, thou sayest unto it, and lower thine eyes as the water of the shower goes cold and drips jellet down thy back. Thou canst not tell, looking down upon thy bath mat, but thou thinkest this pleaseth the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is rather like a cop. So what do you want, sir? Thou inquirest of the angel of the Lord in the voice best used with the police when they pull thee over for driving whilst black. I am sent to prepare the way for the coming of the sun, the angel saith. 
with signs and wonders and wise men born of angel and daughters of men. I do not follow, thou sayest to the angel of the Lord. The angel looketh down upon thee, and thou canst make out in the midst of the cold shower one lime-green eye that gleameth, and it saith, Thou art chosen, I am sent to get thee with child. Mrs. Van Mitri lieth in repose in her apartment down the hall. It pleaseth her to keep her hip straightened, one leg recumbent upon a cushion all of polyester, blazoned with a small child, weeping in a doorway with its thumb within its mouth. All of her cushions are thus, puppies and kittens tangled in their yarn, and small children set down in watercolors. She collected them like orphans, sore, treated in the junk shops where they lie. She is reading in her Bible when thou knockest, wrapped in but thy shorts and t-shirt and thy hair still dripping water, unto her sage-green carpet. What is it, dear? she inquireth of thee, putting aside her reading as thou lettest thyself inside. There's an angel in my shower, thou repliest, and sitteth heavily upon her stuffed recliner. It wants to knock me up. Oh, Dear, ejaculated Mrs. Van Mitri, and puts aside her spectacles as well. Thou takest thy showers at Mrs. Van Mitri's apartment for six days, and on the seventh day, when thou art tired of lugging thy shampoo and soap and loofah that thou bought new from the drugstore, for thou art afeard to enter thy bathroom with the angel there inside, thou pullest back the shower curtain, too remonstrate with the angel of the Lord. Welcome, daughter of man, the angel saith. It sitteth cross-legged in the narrow length of thy tub, and without the water falling, thou canst see its wings. They are transparent, a picture through glass. They distorteth the image of the tiles upon thy shower wall behind them. Thou art not sure it has moved in six days, evening and morning. I'm not fucking you. Thou sayest to the angel of the Lord, Thou art not struck down for cursing. I must get thee with child, if thou art to bear a wise man who will prepare the world against his coming. The angel saith, Well, you're not, thou replieth. And the angel of the Lord looketh up at you in a way that is purely maddening. I will keep showering down the hall, thou sayest, and this adds twenty minutes to my morning, and I will be late for work. And heaven shouldn't make you late for work. The angel saith, It matters not. God is everywhere. I shall visit thee in the shower of thy neighbor. Thou cussest out the angel of the Lord once again. For this is true, and thou dost not wish the Lord to be everywhere, especially when thou art upon the toilet or speaking privately into the telephone or exempli gratia in the shower. If this be objectionable when done by the powers of men, Homeland Security or the NKVD, it is, yea, more so when done by the powers of heaven. Who do I speak to above you? Thou demandest of the angel of the Lord. Who's your boss? The angel blinketh. What? It quoth. I want to talk to your boss, thou sayest, and pullest the curtain down upon it.
Mrs. Van Mitri hath frankincense and myrrh in the drawers of her goodwill bureau. She directs thee to it with the wave of her aged hand, though she is hale enough now to do her own fetching. She likes to have a youth about to do the fetching for her, and thou art in her debt, as she hath lent you her shower, yea, these six days without complaint or comment. Do you know which angel you're summoning? she asketh. And thou wonderest if this has not got all the way around the building at this point. Yes, thou repliest, and diggest in the drawer. There are many things in Mrs. Van Meech's bureau drawer. Pens long dried out, or knick-knacks wrapped in cracked brown paper. And it is passing difficult to find either frankincense or myrrh, especially as thou knowest not what either substance resembleth. Thou picketh out more pens from the wooden drawers, and searcheth for something that smells. There are many websites upon the internet which speak of summoning angels, but thou findest them sketchy at best. Mrs. Van Mitri, however, knoweth her Bible, and when thou didst implore her to educate you in the hierarchies and ways of angels, she insisted upon lending thee her prayers. She hath drawn a circle in chalk on the parquet of her apartment floor, the carpets now rolled and tossed aside, and thou thinkest, this is not precisely a Christian ritual, but thou sure as hell are not inquiring with the priest, not with an angel in thy shower. The frankincense is lumpy and smells of yet more junk shops and mayhap hippies as well. The myrrh smelleth like bad medicine. Thou surrendereth both to Mrs. Van Mitri, who prepares them in a brazier, whose dollar ninety-nine price stickers still adhere to the bottom, and sets them alight. Let us pray, saith Mrs. Van Mitri, and kneeleth down, e'en with her bad hip to pray to the Lord. Thou prayest for the removal of the angel in thy shower, before thou gettest down to business. It does not take long to summon a new angel of the Lord. Thou prayest for perhaps eight minutes before there is a flurry of eyes and light and wings, and fear, fear not, saith the new angel, its wings brushing the false crystals upon Mrs. Van Mitri's chandelier. The new angel hath wings of brightest crimson. Its eyes blaze a summer forest fire into thy arms and bended knees. Thou hast called upon the Lord, and he answers. It saith, From what do you seek succour? There is an angel of the Lord in my shower, thou sayest. I need him out of there. The crimson-winged angel frowneth deeply, and his frown striketh terror in the marrow of your bones. I cannot do that, he saith. The will of the Lord is Catholic and unitary. Thou art not Catholic, and thou dislikest the implication that thou shouldest be. But Mrs. Van Mitri raiseth her hand. We would like to speak to your boss, she saith. And with a great startlement and a confusion, the angel vanishes. It's gone, thou saith. And all thy irritation turns jealous, like cold shower water, to tired and pissed off despair. Hold on, replieth Mrs. Van Mitri. But before she can speak that which she wished spoken, there is a flurry of wings. It is an angel yet more regal. It is an angel that standeth seven feet tall, 
with the skin of alabaster and wings of burnished wood, and in its hand a sword. You would speak with me? It saith, There is an angel of the Lord in my shower, thou imploreth. And he keeps saying he's supposed to knock me up. I'm only 23. I can't raise a kid right now. Thou canst use daycare? The angel boometh. And I thought you were against single-parent families. Thou finishest. Do you not trust in the power of the Lord to bring you a husband? That is not the point, thou repliest, shrinking down onto Mrs. Van Mitri's carpet. It is not thy job to tell an angel of the Lord that thou likest not the boys. Dost thou presume to dictate the point to an angel of the Lord? Thy chin sinketh against thy chest, and thou art prepared to say no in the voice thou uses with the cops, except this is injustice when it is done by the cops, and heaven is supposed to be doubly about justice, and a great and righteous anger arises within thee, within the furnaces of thy very bones. Yes, thou sayest, and maketh the noble try to meet the angel's eye. The point is my privacy. There is no privacy in the face of... You just can't walk into people's showers when they're naked. The Lord... Okay, I want to speak to your boss, thou sayest, knowing this is how it's going to be. The angel of the Lord glowereth, and there is a hint of that lime-green irritation that thou didst see in the angel in thy shower. Hold, please, the angel saith, and vanisheth into the air. Thou sparest a glance at Mrs. Van Mitri. Thy hands are trembling. She offereth thee a smile and unfoldeth one hand from prayer to pat it thine own. Worry not, dear, she says. Worry not. Thou likest that better than fear not. The third angel cometh in a gust of wind, and it hath a flaming sword, and Mrs. Van Mitri frowns at it almost immediately. Thou canst see her think it will be careless, and set blazing her carpets or her chandelier, or the knick-knack she keeps all about. It bringeth a fourth and a fifth, until all the powers of heaven are arrayed before thee in the apartment, even though it be but a one-bedroom, and could not possibly contain as many angels as may dance upon the head of a pen. We have come, saith the angel who bears the sword, so thou wilt cease to escalate this matter and bow to the will of the Lord. Thou thinkest you spy the angel of your shower somewhere in the back ranks, green-eyed and patient in the manner that is most patronizing. Good, thou sayest, thinking speak truth to power over and over to thyself. We have a bone to pick with you. You are defying the will of the Lord, the angel pointed out. And thou thinkest he is a seraph from the fuzzy pictures thou wert shown in the dim past of thine Sunday school days. No, we're not, Mrs. Van Mitri saith, and thou jumpest with surprise at her calm. It isn't God to make people do things against themselves. 
And it isn't God to not let a body choose. Thou watcheth her half with surprise and half gratitude, for she is standing up to the entire host of heaven, though she hath a recently broken hip. This is very important, saith the angel. You have to choose to serve God, Mrs. Van Mitri saith, imperturbably. And you aren't giving her no choice. This is not a democracy. The angel trieth, but Mrs. Van Mitri fixeth him in her eye and saith, No, it's good. And if it's not good, it's not God. There is no arguing with that. I think I know how we fix this, Mrs. Van Mitri saith quietly. Thank God, saith the angel of the Lord. I'll have your kid, Mrs. Van Mitri saith. And thou uttereth the mighty, what? Before thou canst help thyself. But thou art not embarrassed before thy down-the-hall neighbor. For the host of angels uttereth a mighty, what? that rings through thine ears and destroys every radio from here unto the San Fernando Valley. Do you have something against older women? Mrs. Van Mitri saith unperturbed. The angels of the Lord, the powers and principalities and seraphim and cherubim all doth squirm. Thou raisest up a hand to hide thy face for if the angels of the Lord are truly like unto cops, they like not to be questioned and will beat thee or devise some punishment for the pointing out of their hypocrisy. Thou hast not a fertile womb, the seraph saith, as if that closeth the question entire. You're an angel. Thou bursteth in, seeking thy way out, even if thou dost not understand why. Mrs. Van Mitri would desire a child at the age of sixty-two. Thou tellest them, powers and principalities and cherubim and seraphim, make a fucking miracle. Mrs. Van Mitri glanceth at thee now, and thou dost not cross thyself, but thy hand goes unto thy mouth to keep the foul language in. You're an angel, she saith after thee primly. If you can't get me knocked up, your baby ain't worth having. Even the cops quail and fall silent before indignant old ladies. And for the first time in a full seven days, evening and morning, thou utterest a tiny laugh. Fear not, thou mutterest to thyself. And though Mrs. Van Mitri hears thee, she does not crack, not smile, nor laugh. And thou wouldst raise him in the Lord, the angel inquireth, somewhat chastened. Yes. Mrs. Van Mitri saith, And teach him scripture, it saith, And I'd get him bused across town to a good school district, Mrs. Van Mitri adds, And there is a steel and a fire in her eye that thou never knew she bore within her. I didn't get no children living past their twenty-first birthday, she saith. I'd make sure this one did. The angels looketh one unto the other, and then the seraph nodded, and they vanished one by one, feather by feather, until all that remains is the angel of the shower, and Mrs. Van Mitri, and thee. 
and it taketh Mrs. Van Meechie's wrinkled hard face between its hands that glow with the light of heaven, and giveth her a kiss upon the mouth. Thou returnest to thine own apartment. Pronto, the door shuts slow behind you, and thou hearest before it does a squeak, sudden of surprise that thou wouldst never have believed to be Mrs. Van Meechie. The baby cometh a full nine months and three days after, with the doctors a-marveling and the newspapers a-trumpeting that it is surely a miracle for a woman of sixty-three to be delivered of a child so hale, healthy, and whole without stillbirth or complication. Mrs. Van Mitri calls him Joseph, the child of my old age, she saith, and cracks a mighty grin that none but you understand in full, and thou art drafted inexorably into a routine of babysitting and diaper runs for little Joey Van Mitri. For thou art the hardiest person upon the sixteenth floor, and even if there would not be an outcry against you if thou didst refuse, you owe Mrs. Van Mitri your life. The angel of the Lord cometh unto you in the shower one afternoon, after Joey hath spit up upon thee, and Mr. Yamada down the hall hath taken the charge of him. Thou hast just gotten over thy paranoia in this matter. When the angel cometh, you let out a great shriek and nearly slip upon thy bathtub. Get out! Thou tellest it, one hand over thy bosom and the other over thy shame. You got what you wanted. Thou art caring for the child anyway. The angel saith, and its green eyes hath a certain kind of reproach. Yeah, thou saith, wondering what it is to him, her, it. You do not indeed wish to find out that an angel of the Lord can get jealous. I do not understand, it saith, its head bent low. How thou canst be handmaiden to a child who will light the way for our Lord, if thou wilt not bend to his will. Thou hast an inkling of why this might be. Thou art no theologian, hell. Thou didst not even manage to be a. But thy mother raised thee up to go to church Sundays, and thou hast some ideas about why the whole Jesus business went down. When thou wantest a new God, thou must get and raise it in new ways, or it'll be the same old God all over again. Which means for now, this angel of the Lord isn't much more than a cop. If you want to talk about that, thou sayest to him, and fixest him with a stern eye, and droppest thy hands away from both bosom and shame, because, damn it, this is your shower. You knock. Thou lookest him in the eye, that is sunlight and starlight all at once. He stareth back. The angel of the Lord vanisheth in the puff of perplexedness and light. The water sputtereth warm. Thou stand bemused for a moment, or perhaps two before finishing thy shower quick and tidily. There is no point in wasting water, or the bill shall afflict thee sorely come months in. It is later after thou hast showered, after thou art dressed again, and dinner is on the stove, and thou hast helped Mrs. Van Meechie put Joey down for the night, that the knock soundeth on the door. The angel of the Lord weareth blue jeans and a polo shirt, 
that would get him beat up in this part of town were he not capable of acts miraculous. He shifts from foot to foot like a teenager caught breaking the Lord's commandments. And while he is starlight and sunlight, he actually looks thee in the eye like a person. It is a beginning. Come in, you tell him. There's spaghetti on. And it is evening and morning, the first day. And welcome back. Wow. People used to talk about how terrifying that scene in Psycho was. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into the shower, an angel shows up and wants to get you pregnant. Norman Bates is kid stuff. Okay, feedback is for David D. Levine's Jalberschlift, read by Wilson Foley. It's the story of a former wizard's apprentice who has to essentially figure out why his old master's spell went wrong. Grockman said, as a maintenance programmer, I sympathized with the former apprentice wizard stuck with debugging another wizard's work, particularly when that other programmer, uh, wizard, was supposedly more experienced and should have known better. In typical programmer fashion, he blames the hardware before realizing that it was, in fact, more of a software problem. Others thought the conflict was solved a bit too quickly. And Brennan said, he cleaned everything up without really looking at it. Solved his problem in the end by finally paying attention to the words in the book, and in the meanwhile, the story spent lots of time on the villagers coming after him with pitchforks. Thanks for those comments. Please swing by forum.escapeartist.net and let us know what you thought of this week's story. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting podcastle.org and making a donation. Your money helps keep us divine, or at least enough so that we can pay our authors and bring great fantasy fiction like this story to you week after week. I'd like to give a special shout-out to Podcastle's newest disciple, Laura Hake, who donated to Podcastle this summer. Laura is a biology professor who specializes in the toxins of everyday personal care products and sustainability. She found Escape Pod back in the day, loved the stories, and then Podcastle was born, and she loved it even more. A scientist who likes fantasy? Inconceivable. Check this out, though. She loves poaching ideas from the stories we feature here and telling them to her five-year-old daughter at bedtime. Awesome, right? But she also told us that she really enjoyed A Hunter's Ode to His Bait. Wow. I'd uh, love to hear the five-year-old version of that one. Thanks for your donation, Laura, and for listening. Well, that's our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, thank you so much for letting us share another story with you. Podcastle's made up of Angelic Ann Leckie, Prodigal Peter Wood, and your messianic and anti-messianic editors, Anna Schwend and myself. Who's who, you ask? Believe me, I'm still trying to figure it out for myself. Next week, we'll be back with, well, I think we've made you all wait long enough for another story by Peter S. Beagle. Don't you? Until then, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them the good news of Podcastle. We'll see you in a week. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. 
You can discuss this episode of PodCastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartist.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. St. Francis of Assisi said, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words.